When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blacklisted by the Soviet government. Spent years on the run from the KGB. And crewed a nuclear submarine during the Cold War. But today... He's on a mission to transform Scottish football. So just who is Vladimir Romanov? Welcome to the latest episode of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and I'm joined on this occasion by Duncan Mackay. Hello. And Tony Anderson. Here we go. Now lads, you guys have a new manager. So I'm hearing. And so what's kept me here so late now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get out here till half nine or something now. Yeah. Jack fucking Ross. Ross um, so he better be fucking good. <laughs> start off. Uh, yeah, I saw just on WhatsApp that Sean sort of just mentioned it and then suddenly you had to go scurrying from the table to do your real job. And I'll just say to Duncan, now at least we'll remember where we are when Jack Ross is manager. Yes. We've done something successful in a tiny hot room while Fowler goes to do his actual job. After I'd actually finished work as well. I wasn't going to leave then and deal with it. It would just be a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> story appears two hours later. <laughs> story, story appears in print before it appears online, basically. <laughs> uh, what's your feelings, Duncan? Just the initial, initial thoughts. Yeah, good. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, uh, it's been a really weird process because there's not been like a clear favour anyone else was like yeah that's exactly who I want this is exactly who we should go for um, so yeah Jack Ross seems alright like, we'll reserve judgement until he uh, gets us get to see how we play wins us a cup European qualification this season this season now yeah, as yeah. we were discussing on the the beauty of this for the Hibs and when Hearts get their manager as we were discussing on the pod on Monday the room the room to mm-hmm get past this terrible start of the season since there's been no real outstanding teams and certainly, well, Motherwell might seem a bit far away, I'd say fourth 
it's still a possibility and, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's still a full Scottish Cup run to be yeah, had I'm, and I'm, a January transfer window there is room to, to make things happen Aberdeen are third Aberdeen are third yeah. yeah so they are Yeah, so fifth is a possibility they're all shite we're coming we're coming for you um, Jack Ross he was obviously really highly thought of in Scottish football terms mm-hmm. yes. with his time in Alloa and St Mirren and, and, Mirren, and then things ha- he went to Hearts and Things no, happened. no, he was at Hearts before Alwa. Oh, yeah, so he was. Well, things he was, happened. He was the leaving some money to become under-19s. <laughs> under <laughs> yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs> He's also an author. He wrote some kids' books. Did he? Yeah. Please tell me more. I don't know. I can't. I was looking for them on the Amazon, but either, they're out of print. It's really difficult to get a call hand off. <laughs> I think that uh, says maybe more about the standard. It's like well, Steve Bruce's novels. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they go for an absolute fortune. Yes. Because right? so, yeah. um, they're so awful. Um, so he's, he was pretty well known. Father, you wrote a big article mm-hmm. on Jack Ross recently, didn't you? Yes, uh, players talk very highly of his man management techniques. He's work on the training ground as well. He's a very good coach who's somebody who makes it fun for players, who comes up with numerous different kind of, what do you call them? Drills. Drills, aye. Yeah. Drills, practices, whatever you want to call them in training. To, to keep players on their toes, to keep it... M- so players enjoy training and work hard at the same time. It's going to be class when he's not appointed. And we've just gone down this rabbit hole. But I think that's maybe quite important because even though it didn't work out with Paul Heckenbottom, all the players spoke uh, openly about how they enjoyed training mm-hmm. under Paul Heckenbottom. They said that it was very good. So it's important that um, there isn't a drop off in that. If that was the one side of Paul Heckenbottom's management, the people that the players enjoyed, would yeah. enjoy. And yeah, I think the last two managers have probably failed to get the best for at least a long stretch is the best out of Hibs' best player, which is Florian Camberry. I mean, Lennon did start with, but uh, I think the second season Camberry was pretty poor and then they had the, the rumoured bust-up. I think Camberry, at least afterwards, kind of, he never came out right and said it happened, but he hardly denied it either, did he? He's basically no. said that he's fallen out with Paul Heckenbottom yeah, since yeah, that's yeah. happened. Yeah. And so if Jack Ross is a sort of more in tune uh, young young manager who can maybe work with him if you saw on Saturday if you get Florian Cambelli on his game we're talking about one of the sort of better strikers outside mm-hmm. the old firm I think so we're that's talking bit... we're talking we're in European League European, Europa League next Europa season League, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I think this is going to work out very well for Hibs I would happily take Jack Ross back at Arts I didn't think it would happen I was actually surprised that he met with uh, Tank Castle Chiefs uh, earlier this week to discuss. What a journalist! You have to go back to work very briefly, and now he's coming back with Tank Castle Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I don't know who it was, I just said. Head ponchos in there. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I assume Budge, but I didn't want to say Budge. It might be, it might be somebody else at her bidding. Uh, so, someday, someday upstairs at Tank Castle, uh, met with Ross. I was surprised that it happened, I thought bridges had been burned. But now that Ross. If he took that meeting, I'd think at the very least he would have been happy to return. And I've just got a feeling, I don't know anything yet, but I've got a feeling that Hearts, Hearts have taken their time over this appointment. And you could say that's good, it might be good in the end. But I thought Ross was an ideal candidate to come back. I know he didn't do so well at Sunderland, but I think in Scottish football where he's proven his success before, I think at Sunderland as well, he had to basically sign a new team in his first season. And while he had the money to do it, he certainly had the, the biggest budget in, in League One. It's it, a broken club. It's ah, it's easier said than done, and it's a it, it's a big. I mean, there was advantages that's a big club and a kind of small league, but he also had the pressure of of doing yeah. it. And they also, I think, they were top of the table when they sold their, their top scorer yeah, in January. So and, scored seventeen goals. Yeah, and, and, and didn't really recover from that. We're going to see how part. he gets on in that Netflix documentary. That, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, season that, two's coming. Everyone's going to be all over <laughs> that. I know, now, I'm going to have to do a fucking like. 
They'll all drop it once after yeah. binge watch the entire yeah. thing and break all the shit and Jack Ross. <laughs> Ariane in the house. We're watching another Sunderland documentary. <laughs> With that absolutely appalling uh, <laughs> title think, music. Um, and also, I think that the budget side of things, there was a lot of deadwood there yeah. that was probably running up that. Aye, I think, I think making the fact that the budget was so wage budget so high. Yeah, I, think I think a lot of that was, was unusable. I think there was a lot of players on championship wages uh, or big, and big championship wages as well. So I just think that this is going to prove to be a mistake from Hearts to not try and nip them from under Hibbs' noses if he, if he was willing to come back. Revenge of Declan Beaky. Bikey. Bikey. Oh, I like that. No, no. Um, or Elias with Wagner. But I think Hibbs. Who they've been rumoured to be speaking to? So Jack Ross, John Kennedy, were the ones that we've we've definitely heard. They are oh. definitely speaking to the the pips analysis. Pips Jesus and that, Christ! Yeah. So, a guy that managed the bankrupt club in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, how did you um, manage that? Was like, but <laughs> at least Hibs have been clear about what type of manager they want or head coach they're wanting. Whereas Hearts feels majorly scattergun yeah, which, which, which which points well, I think to, we're uh, going to talk about that on the Patreon yeah, later yeah. But, so I think that points to a bit of a club in a, with a bit of an identity crisis at the moment but that means I think it just shows you that without Craig Levine there's a lot of people there who don't know football and in football you could take I mean it sounds good to, to take your time and to, to pick the best manager and all that but sometimes there's just a really good option there and you should just go for it yeah and you're saying Jack Ross is football moves very quickly football's not no, like business Jack Ross is a young um, sort of I'm assuming thought of as a forward-thinking manager, a good man manager, skill who's got a proven track record in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And yes, it didn't work out. Previously worked at the club, probably worked with some of the first team players yeah. as well. And uh, also uh, at Sunderland, there's a lot of sort of caveats to to what happened there. And he was literally minutes away from promotion, promotion. And, winning, and winning a trophy, but so it makes him perfect. Oops, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't get me wrong; they are the negative sides. I mean, Sunderland fans didn't enjoy the football. They no. said. And there was a hell of a lot of draws, which if he continues that at Hibs, that would just be like Pub and Paul Heckenbottom anyway. Uh, so <laughs> maybe nothing will change. Uh, yeah, I, I personally I hope I'm wrong, but I've just got a, a bad feeling uh, from a Hearts perspective that this will come back to haunt them and hit, Ross will be a roaring success down Easter Roadway. Good. Excellent news. Right, what are we talking about now? <laughs> Hearts! <laughs> but from before. Oh, I, uh, even better. The, the fun times. Yes, we're talking about uh, the Romanoff documentary that is on the. It's on YouTube. It came out the BBC. It came out in two thousand six. I would have thought, and yeah, this was fun. There was one. There was two documentaries brought out. There was one where uh, Hearts fans could uh, quite famously remember that uh, the BBC blamed Romanoff for Bosnian pensioners not getting their money uh, because. Uh, basically, sounds plausible. It, it was a typical capitalist story. He owed the company that. Uh, took money away from Bosnian pensioners kind of thing through, you know, some indirect means. Yeah. And that was his fault, apparently. Hey, fella, I appreciate that you're a journalist and I like it how you're not going to pretend that you know all about finances no. like everyone else did during the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh yeah, that's all I need today. That's stupid Let's fucking not fucking <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, not bother talking about that uh, because I'm sure uh, other podcasts will. Uh, Extensively. Uh, yes. Uh, and we find it tedious and boring after all these years. But let's talk about... We can talk about some of the reactions online, but again, it's it's going down a rabbit hole. I cannot be arsed trying to dig my way back out. We'll do it another day. Yes. Once it's all out in the open. (laughs) So let's go to another club in crisis. Yeah, yeah. Or used to be in crisis. Hearts from the mid-naughty. Hearts are probably in crisis these days. Hearts are permanently in crisis. But let's talk about the real crisis times. (laughs) So yes, the Romanov documentary. Romanov, Um, the king of hearts. 
Yes. What the this documentary is an hour long, and I cannot I cannot fathom why it was made. Like who agreed to it being made? Yeah, like, how much so, access like, was there's given? There's quite a lot of access given. Like the uh, Romanoff, that's who yeah. agreed to it being made. But it's just wild. Like there's just like there's no real structure to a top. Like it comes <laughs> in like I don't know what's watch. happened. Clearly, what happens is Hearts are having a really good season, and they think and someone's approached them and said, "Do you think this is this will work?" So even like so this is a season that uh, Hearts. Finish second and win, and, cup, and win yeah. the cup, but the cup stuff's completely like is just an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Like there's no that's like because it clearly went out really soon after the Scottish Cup final, so it's just all a bit mad. They make it, like, they make it so like uh, gangstery and like it's like a the true, music's it's a true crime drama. The amount of times that it's like the music's serial, but maybe talk about that later. But every time a character comes into it. It goes grey, the screen on their face, <laughs> slow motion, and goes down. <laughs> I found that I'm just like, what am I actually watching here? Um, and then there was parts like when they went to um, the um, to Russia to meet Los 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 sorry, to see his house and stuff. And then they're just take, they're just filming sort of empty swings. Swinging really big close-ups, like it was, and I was like, "What is this a documentary about Chernobyl?" <laughs> I really was. Uh, I think there, there was a lot of cliche in it, like, uh, built, like. Uh, so yeah, it's not. the scene. Yeah, sorry, it, it I'm was, going in. It was quite serious just to start. It was like former KGB, or it's like former Russian military, Soviet, <laughs> Soviet, no, Soviet Union uh, submariner, submariner who got a submarine from the Cold War, who, who yeah. wants to transform Scottish football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just started laughing because yeah. it was like it was almost like a it was like a satire, but it actually yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like brass. Even the start bit. Was very brass eye, huh. like when I, I don't know if it's like a clock or something came. Uh, John Fashion. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong, and you're a grotesquely ugly freak. <laughs> so it's right into the crisis meeting. Uh, Romanov flying over a crisis meeting with Graham Ricks. Where, At the uh, bar yeah, yeah, so it was after Romanov tried to pick the team for a game. Well, he did pick the team for a game away at Dundee United. Ricks, in hindsight, didn't do very well here because he. So he leaked to the media that this was what was happening. He was getting told to pick the team. But he wanted to keep his job, but he picked the players anyway. Because Strachenny and Petra started that night, which was completely random. And so he, he, I don't know what he actually achieved in the end. Graham, Rick, Graham Ricks comes across as quite an odd individual in the in uh, the documentary, but, like including smoking a cigar. Like it's just weird to bit, see. Like was that in, was that bit filmed in Lithuania? No, no, that's no, no. in the Balmoral. So why is he allowed to just spark up a cigar? Uh, Twenty-six. I 2005, 2006 It was around about the time but I think Yeah, because I was really confused Because I kept thinking Are they jumping between two? No, sort of? no it was I think they were still allowed to smoke inside then Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. It, was a room, it was about then that it, the law came in Yeah, yeah, yeah he just it. It. And then he was just smoking his cigar so he, it, he was looking at his cigar and blowing on it So it's just very weird So there's, there's Vladimir Romanov There's Roman Romanov And uh, Graham Ricks And includes the line I provoked him. You could say I was pretty rude. <laughs> like, and even the voiceover for Romanov is a, like is just a weird character actor. Yeah, we can go into some of that. I'll let Craig continue just to well, do Well, yeah, that. that was it. And the, the quote is that he says that when he provoked him, he said I wanted to see his reaction. He says, animals would have done better. <laughs> can I just say, Roman Romanov is a dead ringer for Dale Carrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like Dale Carrick with blonde hair. Yeah, I can, I, I, I can like, see it. I, like every time I saw him, I was like, "Why is why is Dale Carrick?" You're like, oh. so I Romanov says he would sack him if they lost the Dundee United game. They drew. Hartley scored like a last minute penalty. Um, Rex Rex appears before camera. Says that the easiest thing would be to walk away. Uh, 
To what, sex offender? Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck's taking you on yeah. after this? In uh, fact, we know the answer to that. Nobody. Uh, uh, well, you want your money. You want your payoff. So come on, he sat down with his wife. He's like, it'd be easier to just walk away. Come on, Graham. You want to get sacked. I don't even... I, I, like, I kind of... It points felt for Graham Rex. Is that no, okay to say? No. Because no. um, I think he could see he was like a bit confused about the whole thing and you could tell he was a bit of a he was out of his given, depth he'd been right. out of his depth and he'd been given a great opportunity and he does say that so he's sort of like confused between sucking up their arses and also like trying to keep some sort of dignity which I think is probably a good analogy of his whole time well he was there because he was given a he was given an opportunity that he didn't really deserve. I, I think, he, I think his dignity lasts forever when he went to jail for a year for having sex with a 15-year-old. Yeah, but I think there is also... <laughs> some, like, yeah, but I mean, again, I think there was... I don't think that was, like, him... I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to defend him. When I look at how that all came about, I don't think he knew he was having sex with a 15-year-old. I think it's just pervy that he was shagging someone that young. <laughs> even if they were 16, 17. But I've, I've, seen, I've seen different stories of this. I've seen stories that say he, he was aware. Uh, so, oh, all right. Uh, well, there, was, this is, there was this odd thing where he's been interviewed by the camera crew, sitting next to Ro, uh, Vladimir Romanov on the couch. I mean, Romanov's reading the papers, ah. but it's clear that he doesn't speak English. So I don't know what he was getting out of it. But it was just that, that, like... If anyone's been watching um, Succession, there was real Succession vibes in that. that was just, oh, yeah. The man that's in charge had, like, just uses people as playthings. And, and that was the thing. Is Rex is trying to say, like, oh, Tuesday Tuesday was a hiccup. It's hey, forgotten about already. You've not watched Succession, have you? No, I've not yeah, watched you it. Watched, you, you asked me about Succession, you said it sounded a lot like Arrested Development. Yeah, I was, was like, it's nothing, nothing like, like Arrested that. Development. Because it's tonally, it's completely different. So I say the tone is more like this of Succession. So <laughs> right. you can imagine Arrested Development, but with the tone of this documentary, so like the, the same sort of like they say because it's obviously a rich family right. where they shouldn't have that much money. They're not really um, skilled enough to really work out how they've got that. But again, the tone is a lot more sullen, dark. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I get it, right? I get you, but. The Romanovs, I did like the voiceovers because the other things that he chooses that claims that Romanov said, he didn't. He just didn't say. Like when uh, he goes back and he's in the talking about his time where he got put into the funnel. Yeah, yeah, that come, yeah, I've got that coming up. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We can discuss that later. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, we, yeah, so we get, so then he goes to the next game, Aberdeen game, but it only does the first half and then the flashback to what Hearts were like before Romanov came in. Uh, Talking about wanting to buy Dundee United and then found the Yeah, I found out about Hearts for the Lithuanian FA, which was a bit weird. Um, Maybe they were all in on the money. It like, really does start. Like and then you got George, George Folks and Leslie Dean. Yeah, you get them too. You get back to the Aberdeen game and the second half crumble. Uh, oh. Rick said he was getting a bit of stick for the crowd. Too right, you were rubbish. Uh, first light of Stephen Presley. Uh, says that I the can't pre- listen to him talk. <laughs> it's actually, so annoying. Please, just open your mouth. Just stop talking through your teeth. Please. <laughs> uh, then you have footage of the meeting with the players uh, talking to Romanoff. Yeah. And uh, was Roman Romanoff there as well? Or just Ro- uh, Roman Romanoff there, there as well. McCann, uh, so, McCann. So it's Presley, Hartley, McCann. McCann is a bit weird, but then he's like, we know what McCann's like now. He probably was quite a vocal voice in the dressing room. Uh, Skatchel, fair enough, he was probably the, one of the best players that season. And for some reason, even because I think he was injured at the time, Robin Bender. <laughs> we just just before that, though, the interview with uh, George Fawkes, where he's where he says, "I quote, I'm convinced he's not a shady character." Yeah, 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 yeah. brilliant. I, I think that means that he actually has money. Yeah, yeah. 
Ah, but George, George Funk said has a really off killer <laughs> thoughts on what makes you a shady character oh have you got money we can't be a shady character mm-hmm. then and but, it's even getting this documentary he's like the players told him to hold off on the sack and he was like I, I listened to what they said but I thought it was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was going to talk about I loved his blase ways because even though the guy was doing dubbing it over the top you could still see when he was talking, it was very relaxed. Yeah. When he talking about, like when he was talking about like he was going to say, so I just told Graham that if he loses this game, then, then he's gone. And I like, <laughs> you're right. talking about sacking someone and they're losing their job and their livelihood. And he just, so yeah, and then he's not there. Just like, you can just, but it really does suit, seeing him there did suit what, exactly how you thought of him. He does come across exactly how you thought, maybe a bit more of um Maybe some of the football stuff maybe is relatively more considered than you maybe thought, and maybe he's just he's a direct guy mm-hmm. and he's quite matter of fact and he doesn't bother with grey areas. No, um, but yeah, he's just very blasé about everything. You're shit. You're good. My way of doing it's correct. Uh, I am the boss. There's then so then we we go back into we go to Lithuania now. We go to Kiernis for uh, the kind of building of Romanov's empire. Uh, talking about his submarine training, where he basically <laughs> sorry we forgot the like, sorry can I just say there was a the, one of my quote, favorite quotes in the whole time is just when they have him point out stuff where he lived and he's just and he goes, oh yeah there was a pigeon ro- there was a pigeon loft on that roof yeah. and there was like no other yeah, 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 yeah. it was just like okay right it's like just, I mean of all like the, all the hours they spent with Romanov like that is one of the things they wanted to include like when he, when he talked about his submarine training is it just me or was he basically saying that he has PTSD yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's basically saying that he wakes up in the night in like cold sweat uh, and he was like yeah, still, really, still drowning yeah, and it made him realise that why he needed to be a better person and yeah. stuff like that you're like yeah that sounds shit mate like, I'm all, uh, I'm, so I will have to say like me and Duncan were talking about this off air a bit it's like is he he, I'm trying. I was trying to come through the bits that maybe were a bit of fantasy and were true. I find them hard to to gauge what was all true. It and seemed to have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah like, and so, so that's followed by the footage of him like driving around Kaunas because he used to be a taxi, taxi driver. driver yeah. But then given an interview, Harry like, Redknapp style, like a carpet, uh, yeah, out the outside like, like, the window. You know, it's like. Ben, right. go back to what he was doing, where, how the training that he got. No, no, so, we can move no. on for that. We've got a lot to get through. No, no, but you've got to do the, the quote because he was stuffed into the. So you go into the funnel of the... Three of them got I'll, put I'll, in the fo- I'll drop it in. I'll, yeah. dro- I'll drop it in. So they could go in... No. And I remember the mandatory training. Every six months or once a year, we had training with torpedo barrels. You get in, they put you in a torpedo barrel, open the hatch, water comes in and it floods. They put three people in at a time. Three people to one torpedo tube. I was the last to get in. I got in, it gets filled with water. If you knock three times, they'll open the hatch and let the water go down and take you out. But while you're waiting, you can't be sure whether you'll be alive or not. I had water right up to my lips. So I turned to get air and I swallowed water. I started to cough and almost choked but I refused to knock three times. I still sometimes have that feeling. I see it in dreams as if I'm in a coffin and being drowned in water. I think it was after that accident that I started to really appreciate what life on a submarine means, that it doesn't allow for mucking about. So that goes with the example I was saying earlier about the guy dubbing over it, clearly saying things that he's not saying. Because he claimed that that experience told showed them in life that you do not muck about. 
Romanov didn't say mucking about at any point. Uh, so I'm just not having it. Again, more brass eye. Literally brass eye quotes coming out of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we get the Mrs. Romanov's cameo. Yeah, and they live in a... Like, for someone that was so rich, they live in such a... Like, I mean, it wasn't... Humble like, home. It was quite... Yeah, it was modest. I wouldn't say... Yeah, like, it's, there was a, a few trappings, but it wasn't, like, super rich. No. Like, you were just like, this guy's meant to be, like, a bit, like, close to a billionaire. Like, ah. And then she was... Uh, and then the old, that old bit as well, just talking about, like, he's basically his crime life. And it's all being investigated, like, investigated and, and he, by she's a spy. talking about it, saying to each other, "Is he ever going to come home? What's going to happen?" And he's just in the back, you just see him smirking, giggling away, like and just, you know, we're just like, not, are not really listening as well. And then he was like, "So yeah, I went and bought a hotel." Yeah. <laughs> like, me and Roman left. He just, like, yeah, he just pops in. Roman was young, just took him away, bought a hotel. You're know, like, so what? This isn't how life works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was just, uh, and then he was, uh, yeah, like you're saying, he's got the cabbie thing. It's just so many things he was up to. And then he said he got his life saved. Well, not his life saved. Aye, well, somebody for the commission warned him that he was basically he was on a list. Yeah, aye, he was he was going to get thrown in a gulag. Uh, so he managed to escape. And yeah, that was certainly mental though. To have a, a, what he called a direct co- contact, which is basically somebody who follows you around. Three feet behind you. It's not even like a spy because they're not even trying to be subtle about it. They're just watching the entire time. Letting you know you've been watched. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then it goes back to the Tide Castle Hearts beating Motherwell. Callum Elliott scoring. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and, he's, and he starts to get into some like paranoia about. Then. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, about football being fixed. And yeah, yeah. He, this is the start of his hatred towards agents yeah. and thinking that football might be fixed. Yes, because that was a thing that. So there's a few factual errors in this the first one comes up when they said oh this was more disingenuous than factual was that Levine resigned shortly yeah. after Romanov's arrival which kind of made it seem like he'd resigned because of him I think Levine signed because he was going to become Leicester manager <laughs> he looked very young Levine he when he saw that photo there wow I suppose it was 13 years ago yeah. in fairness but. and then yeah they talks about so folks talks about Vlad's theory that Hearts when they played Celtic under Burley that they Romanov thought that the, the game they would be fixed. for a draw. Aye, he says they shoot the way one three one of the started the uh, Miko Chesniskas, and that was kind of a bone of contention with Burnley. That this has all been out before though. Um, but again, there was a wee error because it said the narrator said the problems with Burnley and Romanov started months before his departure. That that Celtic game they're referencing was literally the week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were there were problems months before his departure, but it wasn't to do with that. They just hated each other from the get go. Um, yeah, he talks about agents, and then goes to Ricks uh, talking about his reputation and his mistake, quote unquote mistake. Because uh, then it does that, it does the freeze frame where it does the, it's like it does what you were saying earlier yeah. with the, the grey screen yeah. stopping on Ricks. Like, he was sent to sent to prison for a year for having sex with a fifteen year old girl, and then it's like Romanoff talking about what he liked about Ricks, and he responded with like, when he told Ricks. When he asked Rex if he'd want to manage Hearts, Rex said, Are you serious? Are you kidding me? If he's saying that, maybe don't give him the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clearly going out of his depth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he wanted them because he thought that he would be. I think the, the journalist alludes he, to that. He, actually, well. he says it later on himself, Romanoff, that he thought that Rex would side with him in the media mm. because the media had hounded him. Mm. So he wanted somebody who the media were against. Like, he could have empathy with him, kind of yeah, thing. And ben, that didn't, that didn't that, happen. That didn't happen. Uh, I mean, Ricks, had they played it a bit smarter, maybe he could have just stayed in charge by... I don't think Ricks a very smart guy. putting that out there. Uh, he also said he didn't want a star manager because he would have rebuilt the team. 
No, yeah. instead, instead, heart sign. Eleven <laughs> players in January. Can we? Is this the bit where we um, where we go back to Romanov's office and he's got this file? He starts showing off his files. Yeah. Just, just a bit. Again, I just wanted to make one more point because I noted this while Rick was talking. He licks his lips all the time, which <laughs> just makes him even creepier. <laughs> Um, he looks like he ages through that period. Like he looks quite young in his first. Uh, but he's only can only be about two months. Yeah, that's what I mean. But he, he does his first press conference when he's there, and then like, and then by the end of it, I was like, "There's a lot of more wrinkles that have appeared there that I suppose working in that environment would." And there was some paranoia about uh, who he's, Rex was being advised by and stuff. Oh like yeah, that we'll get we'll get to that later. Um, He's, yeah, so you talked about his oh, archive yeah, of players in his office. Yeah, so can we just, so he's, he's like, he points it in all these files, and he's like, oh, we've got, uh, and he's like, oh, it's like 7,000 players on file and stuff like that. They're just print-offs yeah. of Scout 7. Like, there's, there's no, like, it doesn't seem to be any more advanced than that. He's like, he's like, look at our archive of all these players. We are scouting, and it's like, you've, you've printed off a database, and then he's got, and they're like, oh, Romanov has a, a has his, uh, his own particular way of dealing, like, oh, yes, I, I, I like, like this as yeah, well. It was like, he rates players by one to three. That's it. Like, that's it. Again, it doesn't, doesn't deal in grey areas. No. Yeah, it's good, all right, crap. But he's also obsessed by Brazilian players. Yeah. Like, that's his thing. He's like, oh, that's the hotbed of talent. It's like, this is maybe the best thing in the entire, over time, the entire yeah. documentary. This is maybe the best bit. Because you've got the first, first see the Brazilian agent. Uh, is in negotiating a, a player. They've agreed the deal to sign Fred Costa for Hearts for a three and a half year deal. And the agent's like, oh, he's put me out of business. This is such a great deal. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll just, be back. We'll, we'll be back, basically. Just a room of people all at it. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because uh, Fred Costa never arrived. I even tried to look him up at Wikipedia. I can't find any trace of anybody called Fred Costa played for Palm, Palmeiras, I think he played for. Allegedly. Uh, everyone was at it in that room. Uh, like, the full room of everyone being. Dirty guns. <laughs> yeah, because it, it goes back to that later on. I wonder if we should just go back to the agent now. Right. This documentary jumps about. They're just there for ages. Talking about this is actually the same way that you're watching. Yeah. It. And they're there for ages, and he's going through, and then Romanov at one point. Actually, no, 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 no. I'll, 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 I'll get into that. Right. I'll just, I'll go. I'll do a tourist and yeah. stick with the flow of the documentary. So he's considered. Right, so he's, he's back in the car now. He's talking about the players that are signed under Rex. He says he's concerned about the players that Rex wanted to sign. Uh, he says, Rick's asked for one player, and he says, I didn't really like him, but I said, okay, then I asked for another one, then he asked for another one, he says, none of them liked to be okay to deal anyway. Hearts fans were pretty aware that one of them would have been Lee Johnson, another one would have been Chris Hackett, but nobody knew who the third one was. Might have been McCann, could have been Besleyger, could have been everybody. There was a lot of them that arrived. Yeah. <laughs> we know it was the Petras or Stracheni, <laughs> uh, but apart from that, yeah, could have, could have been anybody. And then he asked them to write down the attributes of these players so he could understand why he was trying to sign him and he was like he never did this no, yeah, he, just, so he, he would not put pen to paper yeah. three weeks later he would not put pen to paper he said he so that scared. told me everything I needed to know yeah, he said they had to be punished yeah yeah, yeah, yeah really it started to get a bit sinister <laughs> uh, then he it's shot, shots of him in a bar with his pal watching the this is Pfizer Hearts versus Parting Thistle and it's in Lithuania he's paid, he's paid, Lith- he's paid three, three grand three grand for it to be televised in Lithuania I could have got TV. you first row sports for nothing <laughs> Yeah, he does make a point saying Rex is too hesitant. Start, can't find his game and style of play. <laughs> yes, he was very bang on with that assessment. Well, but see, you... Some of the things Roland like has said, as I was saying earlier, through it, like you, you can see he's quite direct and he he doesn't suffer fools gladly. He actually notices a lot of things, but it's like he just doesn't really accept anyone well, else's sort of point of view. That's the thing he's talking about, and which 
goes on. Yeah, there's a bit where he's talking about the fact that how he eventually became involved in football was owning so much to the bank. They were like, "Well, you basically own this football club now." Yeah, And then he couldn't understand how they were paying the most in wages, but finishing fifth. Yeah, and like for him, it's clearly like quite a like transactional thing. If I put this amount in, I need to, like if I put the second amount of money in, I then I have to finish second. Yeah. There's no. There's no reason why that shouldn't be the case. But, like, there's no understanding that football might be a bit of a, uh, a sport for a random. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so we're at the... We're back with the agent again. This is, uh, this is the highlight of the documentary yes. for me. So the agent comes back. He's got he's got DVDs to, to show the players. <laughs> uh, and there's, you can already see there's a bit of friction because he's just showing clips. He claims that it's uh, illegal to... Broadcast. Because well, ah, it's from Brazil, so they're not yeah. allowed to show the whole game. They're only allowed to show. Only allowed. Show, only a load, allowed. Fuck's sake. Allowed to show cl- uh, clips, not turn the, full game. You can show. just see that each of them, both of them on either, both sides, are like, oh, we're dealing with a bullshit yeah. here. And they're just trying to work Can't out. Bullshit, like, bullshit, yeah, right. and they're just like, oh shit, I'm getting called out <laughs> here on this. But then there's a proper best moment, uh, probably in the entire thing, yeah. when it uh, says at one point Romanov nips out to deal with more pressing matters. And you see him in the background, it's him like, going like, kuchikuchiku, to a little baby that <laughs> <laughs> a woman is holding. <laughs> it's amazing, like, it's so good. And then there's a bit when they're looking at the screen and they're all trying to work out who the player they're well, watching it's, it's is. They're, they're boys at it and being like, this is, they're like, this isn't the player you showed us earlier. No, like, it's the guy like, to the cross. Yeah, and they're like, no, right, so who are we meant to be looking at at the uh, moment? And there's a guy's like, uh, this guy. Uh, <laughs> it's just like... I need he, to see over 90 minutes, about uh, that, which is a perfectly fair sort of... Yes. If, you're gonna, if you'd ask him for whatever, 7 million rubles uh, or whatever it was. Um, Romanoff then has a, a, another kind of famous quote that I hung around for with Hearts fans for a while. Uh, and I think we can listen to that now. I don't think that the agent was that upset. As they say, his salesmanship lacked sophistication. His techniques were too vulgar, too primitive. At Hearts, we need to get two or three good, strong players because we haven't got substitutes for several of the positions. But if I find a good, worthy player... It really doesn't matter how much I have to pay for him. Seven or ten million? I'll pay it. I'll pay the money. Hard record transfer fee is £850,000. <laughs> Rumor of did pay that, but it's not quite seven to ten million. <laughs> I was enjoying the uh, discussion about the quality of the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> the agent was insulted by yeah. the fact that, the, that these guys were having a pop at the yeah. quality of his merchandise. Yeah, yeah like, like he was like, he works at Ingie Market in the back of your van. He's chipped your laptop yeah. out. <laughs> chipped your laptop, so this guy just keeps on scoring goals. You know, I need to sign him. Uh, so I found that thing, because then the guy was like, oh, it's not about the, the quality of the DVD, it's about the quality of the player. Right. Uh, like, you can't even fucking see him. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. I, I was on the road off side of that, but like, they, they, you don't trust it because you want this guy to look, it's all about looking professional, uh, especially these guys. If you're going to be a bullshitter, and you're going to come in and bullshit some of the biggest bullshitters around, could have need good quality DVDs. Right, we could skip. Yeah, no, so that was back to him building his empire, buying loads of... I, I barely even followed this point. Like, but, but, but it was just... There was a bit where he says that the only bank that didn't go bust was mine. Uh, I'm uh, quite proud of that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> How did that work <laughs> out? <laughs> Long on. 
And then it's the game Hearts vs Rangers at Tynecastle Finished one in each Rick's last game He says he's pleased with a point afterwards Which basically sealed his fate Because Romanoff was certainly not pleased with a point Presley says the players were stunned by the news Elvis, I was just a daft student at the time I wasn't working with Graham Ricks every day I wasn't working with Romanoff all the time But I was not fucking stunned no. at the news <laughs> Stunned it took so long. <laughs> He's a dead see- man walking from the start of that documentary to the end. Stephen Presley, though, in that documentary, does seem stunned by a lot of things. Uh, if you told him that uh, the earth was round, he'd be like, ooh, that was fascinating. Yeah. It, it, uh, I've said this before, I think. Stephen Presley talks like the woman from uh, Chewing the Fat that says, I smell shite. <laughs> yes, I definitely smell shite. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so then we get. Romanov talking about Rick's uh, yeah, thought he'd have his back in the media then he goes to insinuate that the advisor to Rick's was Jim Duffy who's the only director of football I've seen who's literally stood in the dugout yeah and uh, it was more active than Graham Rick's yes more active than the manager uh, funnily enough Scottish media didn't really have a problem with that uh, Romanov was the problem but yeah. then years later Levine was the problem as director of football weird it's almost like mates or yeah. right. and he he says that yeah, Romanoff basically says he thought that the secret advisor, secret advisor he said you had was Duffy and may as well bring him to the club instead of him being like a rat in a hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does not mince his words, that man. No. Uh, so Valdas, Valdas becomes manager, then we get the game against Hibs, the beat Hibs. Uh, then it's Had Rome- to see it, uh, well, there we go, who's that goals? Oh, uh, there was no context go. given about the, the, the injuries. That oh, yeah, come on, why, why they, I didn't see one bit in the documentary <laughs> say that Gary O'Connor had just been sold. Uh, uh, <laughs> also, to be fair, I was upset about the lack of context of why there was only 40,000 people at Hamden yeah. and not 50,000. <laughs> 10,000 Hibs fans, shut it. Uh, here we go. <laughs> they came, they came to seat <laughs> <laughs> right, Romanoff's back at Tynecastle. He's talking oh. about his plans for a 28,000 seat stadium with a hotel and a glass dome between the stadium and hotel. So to say Hearts that never are, happened. Because Hearts fans are real football connoisseurs. Yeah, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're intellectuals, yep. which is uh, with my favourite line in that. I'll yes, say I have what. to say, I did laugh quite a lot of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they know they're football connoisseurs, they're intellectuals. Yes, because he sees Hearts fans. They deserve fans. it, basically. The children deserve it. Yeah, he, so. says, he sees Hearts fans come to the games, families with children. That literally happens everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean they need a hotel. They don't need to stay overnight. <laughs> we get stay on Gordy Road. <laughs> we get his Christ the Redeemer pose in the centre circle. Oh, that's so good. Bizarre. Uh, but it shows you, I forgot that it showed you the, the stuff for the, the Champions League. Uh, oh, to not the Champions League, the, the game with the defeated Aberdeen to qualify for Champions League qualification, uh, finishing second in the table. And again, another uh, factual error. It says scoreless until 76 minutes. Hatler scored in the 53rd minute. <laughs> uh, but it was good to see that again for Russell Anderson's mental handball. Uh, thank you again, Russ. I, I had no idea what the fuck you were doing, but thank you. I'm not entirely sure Harps would have scored that night if it wasn't for that. Allowed <laughs> you to play AK Athens and did someone not get sent off for having an earring or something? Uh, Brelli got booked for having <laughs> an earring. <laughs> and then, uh, thank you, Russell Anderson, for allowing that. Got a second booking for a completely innocuous <laughs> aerial challenge. <laughs> mental. And... Um, Aye, then we've got Vlad on the ledge, uh, which I think has been immortalised in a photo anyway, where he stands up on the ledge and on the main yeah. stand, and considering the state of the main stand at that point, it's quite dangerous. Uh, it's a really weird shot of Valdar Stevanowski standing off to one side. I'm yeah. thinking that. Well, like, no, but I think that was the whole point, was that I think they were framing that as, this is the miserable guy that's 
it's a stooge basically it's nothing and, to do and, and, as Romanov like takes centre stage and like is in front at the front of the team photo because they did the, the kind of shot that they yeah. done made it look like you could see it was wide lens there was and, nobody around them and Romanov's in the middle and everyone's like oh, Vladimir Romanov and Valdis Ivanaskis and there's like that why am I here there's no point in me just why don't you just do it that's <laughs> exactly what you would be thinking like, just if you want to do it just do it you can you own it you can actually do it I would Graham Richard referred to him as he's the boss he can do anything <laughs> if you ask me to do that I'll just do it like you have no integrity <laughs> <laughs> again 15 year old well, right uh, so yeah and then it finishes on Hearts winning the cup yeah that was definitely done as like a coda like yeah. it wasn't post production post production be like oh yeah that would be quite nice to have that footage <coughs> right so that's us done uh, would, was, you, uh, would you recommend this documentary to everybody? it's not the greatest documentary I've ever seen but it's, it's it has its moments I think if you if you know the context of it all you'll enjoy it if you don't really know the context of it it's yeah, like it's got a bottle of the pish <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's move on to the next in our list of the most memorable Scotland games of all time. Our top 50, we are now at number 47. If you say so, boss. I think so. Uh, so there's a long way to go, and that is Scotland 2, England 1 from the 15th of May, 1976. It's quite strange that it's quite low down, because it's always... Uh, held as one of Scotland's best recently uh, biased because yeah. the one the one immediately ahead of us in the list I'm not looking forward to it. I hope I'm not on the episode we'll have to talk about it. have you seen what it is? no it's like for last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is definitely better than the game, any game that happened last year yes. but yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Scotland team was Ruff Forsyth McGrain Donaghy Gemmell actually Gemmell that is uh, Gray Masson Rioch Dalgleish Jordan Jackson uh, with Derek Johnson, not Willie Johnson, Tony. Yeah, I know, it's ruined my whole, this whole section for me now. <laughs> Coming off the pitch. We uh, don't usually lead the opponents, we could do this time, it's England. Yeah, uh, Clemens, Mills, Thompson, uh, that'd be... Um, Phil Thompson. Phil Thompson, Phil Thompson. of... Um, Liverpool fame. I was going to say Gillette Soccer Saturday fame, mm. talking pish fame. Uh, Colin Todd, McFarlane, Jerry Francis, Kennedy, Taylor, Pearson, Channon and Keegan. Yes. I didn't know the subs. Uh, Mike Doyle and Trevor Cherry that's why I didn't know them never even heard them so Channon opened the score in 11 minutes Masson equalised on 18 and Dalgleish won it on 50 for those of you who don't really remember the game so far you'll probably remember it when I say it's the game where Ray Clemens completely fucked up and let Dalgleish's shot squirm between his legs Uh, he done uh, a (laughs) pre-Russie yes (laughs) that's a very good way of putting it Um, didn't concede five though no just the two but this actually followed up us I'll, I'll, I'll get to that oh, sorry. <laughs> you should really show us your system before we go on so we know when how you're going to be doing this um, yeah so this was part of the Home Nations Championships which in the I think the 70s Scotland had one of their best kind of runs and this was this was certainly the last time where Scotland were the best team in the UK for any sort of stretch so from 19, so 1974 1978 they qualified for both World Cups England did not uh, Scotland defeated England three to four times and won the home championships twice uh, and uh, this was good this was from Gordon Cairns' article in an edition of Nutmeg said the programme for the 76 game at Hamden listed Scotland's 36 wins against England's 34 with the headline England are creeping up <laughs> <laughs> So this was England's what fifth hundredth international 
in comparison oh, to really? Scotland's 395. Ooh, so England have played a lot more games, but this, Scotland hadn't lost since playing Denmark in September 1975, and they'd followed that up with wins against Denmark, draw against Romania, and then wins against Switzerland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. The Northern Ireland game was meant to be away, but uh, there was something going on in Northern Ireland at that time, which meant that Scotland didn't really fancy travelling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The troubles. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then Finland, uh, they beat after the England game, um, so it was a uh, pretty good win. Rip-roaring time yeah, to be yeah. a Scotland fan. In the 70s as well, but what a great time to be a Scotland fan. Yes. Great fun, getting your getting your clothes on, going out. Getting your clothes on. <laughs> People do that now, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> getting your flares on. Go to Hamden and flares. But the, the victory meant that Scotland won the home championships for the first time since Ooh. 1967, which was... Was there a fair also the British after- championships, was it? Yeah, that's what it referred to on the yeah. on the clip. It was also Dalglish's sixth goal in the competition. He would score another three the following year. So he scored nine goals in fourteen home internationals. He then joined Liverpool, played in the further twelve, but didn't score again. Yeah. So again, that was uh, thanks to Gordon Cairns. And this was the last competition, the last home internationals for Willie Ormond as manager because he left to take over Hearts. And I'm going to talk a little bit <clears throat> about Ormond now because he had quite a career. Yeah. He was a member of the famous Five for Hibs, helped Hibs win three league titles and reach three cup finals in a typical Hibs fashion. They won none of them. Uh, he also Don't know why that's relevant. <laughs> 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 he also became Scotland Scotland. He did become Scotland manager after yeah, yeah. time. That's not what I meant that's to say. The point. <laughs> he became Johnson manager huh. after retiring. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Led the club to third place in the top flight, their highest ever finish. Uh, is that still stand or no, no? Steve, Steve Lomaster Steve Lomaster had finished it was the highest ever finished at the time right. so the, that's been, why there's a stand named after him it's, yeah it's been equaled he also led them to their first ever cup final which also meant their first ever appearance in Europe so quite yeah. a lot with a team Nicker he's a fucker boot no, <laughs> really I love St Johnson I'm like it's just because they get wind up by us yeah they do <laughs> Oh, they've not been a bit quiet. Oh, that's oh, why. We've lost all of them. No, I was going to say, because we've been really rubbish this season. Oh, yeah, so so they, it's hard for them to have a go at us for not talking about them much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want to hear it. Right. <laughs> Please talk about his legs. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then he's, he's one bad uh, tenure in management. It was at Hearts. So he, because <laughs> he had a good a good record at Scotland, boss fifty uh, forty seven win percentage. It was said that he was kind of forced out by Scotland because they wanted a more kind of charismatic manager who would kind of get a grip of the players and kind of iron out some of the disciplinary troubles, like some of the kind of goings on that would happened at Largs. It's yeah. annoying because I'm trying to find. I've been searching to find out all sorts of scandals. Like as I'm trying to make my USP for this whole series. Finding scandals. I think some of them were before, like for instance, uh, Jimmy Johnson, who had, wasn't no longer playing at this point, uh, was the whole drunken sailor thing. Yeah. And all that. I'm not yeah. sure if that was under so Ormond. They, they all seem pretty clean cut, decent guys. Um, but the project is like getting bevied. Ah, yeah, yeah. And then they get reported. Yeah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. They, they're real men. Eh? What happens in? But that was big, well, the, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There was a feeling because. Uh, Ormond had managed Scotland at the 74 World Cup and obviously we'd done really well but I still hadn't qualified at the group the, one, the first nation to not get beat at a World Cup but still not make the next round um, smashing records all over the place yeah. <laughs> uh, so but that, yeah it does seem odd that he was kind of forced out then, a, then, and then to replace him with Ali McLeod like if Ormond had been charged in 78 then maybe things could have been very different but that's obviously just a counterfactual just throwing it out there yep have you got anybody you want to talk about for this game, Duncan? 
Uh, I was going to say, Ormond himself like said after the game that he reckoned that, that Scotland had 26 international class players. And if we can get them, there's not a pro- and there's no problem about availability and injuries, then we have nothing to fear. Well, I think we've uh, got something similar now. 26 <laughs> international class players. The problem is they're all centre midfielders or left back or injured. And don't want to play. Don't want to play, yeah, being the main one. So... Yeah, is there any player you want to look at or why? You, you watch, we could maybe talk about the goals if you want. Or, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, we talked Cause, about Because we can actually watch the highlights. Yeah, yeah, some of these games, eight, so. there was eight minutes of highlights and it struck me that it was um, sort of like modern football was there uh, because there was things like diving like Kenny Dalglish that wasn't a dive I thought that was a penalty no but like uh, he went down easy he definitely did and the fact that they were talking about it diving contact. That, like, yeah, uh, they contact. were talking about diving and then uh, just, I think it may have just been because it was in colour like rubbish back the crowd was really loud and quite raucous um, and I could hear singing uh, so I was thinking like it was as things were moving into that sort of modern time uh, for football but like, looking at the England goal what was that they scored early yeah, after 11, 11 minutes, minutes from a Mitch Allen with a header yeah and then um, the Scotland goal, I found hilarious. So they had, the guy had all the time in the world because I think it was Joe Jordan ran at the front post. They yeah, all chased him. Don Masson. And then Ian he headed in. But the issue being, there was three England players plus the goalkeeper on the line. So maybe if one of them decides not to be on the line, then maybe they could mark him scoring the header. There was, it seemed uh, from the highlights, Scotland's tactic was uh, throw the ball in the box from the wing, <laughs> uh, which seemed to be fair enough because England were <coughs> absolutely dreadful at defending. Uh, yes. Full-time score says it worked. Yes. Uh, there plenty of chances even after uh, yeah. on that. And then Ken Aglish's one, yeah, because uh, George Orden does brilliant down the left-hand side. Yeah, uh, he was rapid. Like, and I, I was think, a... yeah, he was really... And I'd like, obviously, shout out to all the mullets, because he never made... Jerry Francis was playing, so... He's still going now, I think. Yeah, he's still going, but everyone, like, it was just mullets all over the shop. Uh, which is quite funny, because you see George Orden with, like, long, cool hair, and obviously he looks very much his age, mm-hmm. quite proper nowadays, because yeah, they were all party boys back then, everyone on the park. Uh, and it's a great cross. And then Ken Aglish sort of gets... It doesn't mean the touch. I think he wants the touch to come inside the defender. But it actually goes wide. And then, obviously, he gets lucky with... uh, He does does say that somebody had tipped him that that was a particularly weak area for Clemens. What, in between his legs? Uh, Kind of... Just at him. uh, (laughs) That's pishkin. Just trying to make make it sound his weak shot that went in that there was some sort of method behind it. A couple couple minutes earlier, Dalisha had definitely left some on Clements with the Rick Endy back pass the play oh, yeah, yeah. and he definitely left something on him which obviously that doesn't mean anything but it was uh, another happy tip uh, no, you just, just have to see an English keeper I mean if only someone could do that to Joe Hart or something like that <laughs> Phil, Tom- Phil Thompson was uh, they are named his daughter's Georgie Thompson which uh, Duncan didn't realise off air you know who the old Sky Sports News presenter? Tiny oh one. right, that's uh, that, that's his daughter. All oh, right, yeah, so. definitely got his mother's looks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that's his daughter who his her. <laughs> she obviously went on. She was uh, going out with uh, Declan Donnelly for a while. All oh, right, and she's now married to Ben Ainsley, who is the sort of champion roar. Okay, but I was like, I finally found some sort of scandal somewhere. God, I was trying hard. I did things, things I've been typing into my computer all day. Um, Georgie, Georgie Thompson got caught uh, drink driving. Uh, she was, uh, she was caught twice over the limit. Um, so maybe she would have been more suited to Anthony McPartland. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you mentioned it earlier. We'll talk about Alan Ruff. Ruff. Um, he. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
found an inability to speak in this podcast. Ruff started the game. He was still playing in the Scottish second tier at the time for Partick Thistle. And he came in after he was, I think, it, I think I'm right in saying he was the fifth goalkeeper in five years to play, to be the Scotland number one at a home championships. He replaced Stuart Kennedy from the year before. He was a Rangers keeper. He played because David Harvey, the Leeds keeper, was injured. Uh, and Scotland were beaten 5-1 at Wembley. And it was a kind of playtime, playground joke, five past Kennedy. Mm. And he, that kind of followed him about the rest of his career. So Ruff stepped in. Obviously, someone makes a, a sort of quip about you until you lose your place and you're done. It's not getting much a career after that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got a playground joke and like, you're no playing. Yeah, I heard kids over in that school slagging you off, so <laughs> yeah, your career's over. And yeah, Ruff so had already won the 1971 League Cup with Patrick Thistle. And I think we kind of know a lot about Alan Ruff, but there was a really good quote from him in a Scotsman article, which was his first wife, Michelle. It was a tenants girl who modelled uh, the kind of on the cans. On the cans. Yeah. So he used to, he said he used to get fans coming up to him and saying, uh, "I had your missus on my can the other day." <laughs> Would you be happy with that? I'd be. I gotta be quite happy with that. I don't know. It seems. Like... I'd, I'd I'd feel like there was at least something. Uh, at least everyone fancies my yeah, Exactly. Yeah. It's good to be an uh, ego boost. Uh, and he had. Um, she also. At Edinburgh Uni, she donned hot pants to boost the rectorship campaign of a bright young student called Gordon Brown, the ex-member of Brown Sugars. Has <laughs> <laughs> uh, two daughters from a previous relationship. Sarah has just started up a chocolate factory. Hey, <laughs> Brown Sugars, big fan of that. From that article as well, uh, Rough details his superstitions, and this is absolutely wild. I know that footballers can be quite superstitious. I can be quite superstitious, or at least I used to be. Uh, but this is mental. So he had a habit of not shaving before games. He used to always hang his clothes on peg thirteen. He would always bounce the ball off the changing room. Yeah. yeah, he would always bounce the ball off a changing room wall a certain number of times. Uh, he'd be careful not to stand in an unlucky part of the floor. Uh, he wore his favourite. Old... Sorry, I need to understand. Sorry, I don't, I don't know what you mean. lucky parts of what? Like all the rest of them, I understand the mindset behind them. But what is that? If, if there's three drains on the floor, he won't stand there. Are they? I don't understand where, or he won't stand where there's crosses because God will not be happy. Confused <clears throat> that one. He wears his favourite old shirt under his top and his own white socks, uh, and continued to take them on trips when the SFA wanted the team to wear all red. He says, in a game away to Israel, he forgot to wash them for the last Thistle match, so they were soaking wet from the sink, uh, and he was squelching around in them, and he could actually see soap bubbles coming out of the bottom of his boots while he was playing. He used to have a hat full of lucky charms behind his goal net. There was a scabby tennis ball, a Thistle keyring, a couple of marbles, a lot of daft weed trinkets, he says, like stuff that fans had chucked at him. Uh, and he liked to blow his nose during games. <laughs> Uh, he also used well, to even if he didn't need it, it really dry. Sort of. He used to always have seven pieces of Wrigley's chewing gum with him, three for each half, and an hour for the last five minutes when things got exciting. And he finishes up the quote with, "So yes, quite superstitious." Uh, and what's funny is, with all the millions of mistakes Alan Ruff made, as a <laughs> uh, maybe that's why it kept on happening. Eh? Like, he was getting distracted. Like, is this my sixth piece of chewing gum? Maybe concentrating on the game rather than collecting trinkets and putting them in a sack ready to go. But uh, yeah, for a, like, uh, I quite like Alan Ruff because he's quite an interesting character, an interesting sort of career, uh, quite a unique career. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a madman, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> 
How's that TV show he does? I, 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 I heard about it while I was away, but I don't, uh, I don't really recall seeing it. Uh, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, thank, thank you very much for listening to us, Tony. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, uh, Duncan. Thank you very much. And we're now going to record a, a double helping of, of the Patreon because uh, we didn't do one on Monday, so it's going to be a mailbag and it's going to be a, a lengthy one. And uh, we're going to sweat up in here. Yeah, we're going to die inside this room. <laughs> Sweaty, geeky boys. Fucking Jack Ross. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.